so little silence in our lives, Lord, and, and so we're gathered here today and we enjoy a moment. We need the silences. We, we need those, those pauses where we can listen to your voice, where we can reflect on your leading by your spirit. We pray this morning that as we're gathered because this is your church and you have poured out your spirit upon the church as we studied already in the book of Acts, that you would pour out your spirit upon us, in and through us. That the things we talk about and think about, reflect on, question, ponder, would be the things after your own heart and that we would learn of you and learn about you and perhaps even fall more greatly in love with you today as we gather together to sing your praises, to honor your name, to seek after you. We come into this place bringing our, our beliefs and our doubts, our questions and our answers, and we're so grateful and thankful that you are big enough to receive all of that, to, to receive us into your presence, that you enjoy us, that you want to be in relationship with us, that you so want to be in relationship with us that you entered into this world in the person of Jesus Christ and lived and breathed in all the the muck and the grime and the challenges that we face daily. You experienced them all and even beyond that as you went to the cross and death. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for raising up your son Jesus and demonstrating to us once and for all that there is, a, there is a power in this world at work beyond what we can see, greater than whatever we face, even unto death. And that power is available to us in the person of Jesus Christ even today. And so we are to be a people of hope. And and for those of us struggling in despair right now, would you fill our hearts with hope? Fill us with the joy that accords with the beauty and the glory of the resurrection. And ultimately, we're asking today that you'd send us forth from this place that this would not, not be a period as we leave here, but just the beginning of a beautiful sentence that is the rest of this week, where we serve you and love the people around us, and we're, we're filled to do the work that we need to do, strengthened and empowered to be your ambassadors. Such a tall order that we're, tall task that we've set before us, and yet you're up to it all. And we're grateful. And so we praise you and we look to you. We depend on you. We wait on you. We trust the silences to be moments in which you lead and guide us. This is our prayer. And we offer it in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. So the church is a a marvel, and that's one of the themes in the book of Acts, and we've been studying that. We're going to study that all throughout the book of Acts. It's a marvel of God's grace. The church is a marvel. Just look around you and look at the different people that are here gathered together, 
And what are the chances that you'd be gathered together in this group if it weren't for that unifying force who is Jesus Christ bringing us together? The church is a, is a marvel. And amazing things happen in people's lives when they gather together in the name of Christ. 14 years ago today, the first Sunday of the month of October, we had our first preview service of this church. We had about 25 people in our core team, and we were in a living room, and I was leading worship. I did everything at that point. I made the bulletins, led worship, preached, uh, you know, got everything ready. Um, and we were, we were, we were, I was leading worship, and we were packed into this living room in Oakland, and uh, this guy I'd never seen before was standing, some of you know this story, he was standing right in front of me, like it was so packed in that he was literally like a foot and a half, his face in front of me, just enough for my guitar as I'm playing the guitar and trying to lead worship. And partway through the singing, he just starts bawling, right? So now I'm like, wow, what's going on? This is amazing, I think. Or my guitar playing's really bad. Um, But this guy's bawling. And, And as it turns out, he was at the very lowest of point in his life on that particular day 14 years ago. It was a shambles. Everything had fallen apart. And a friend dragged him in to this house for this preview service for this church that was going to be starting in the beginning of November. And one of the things that this person had been praying all his, you know, mature life is that maybe someday I'd get to be able to be a part of a church plant, a new church starting. And here he was at the very lowest point of his life, and he was standing there in, in front, and, and when everything else was a wreck, God was showing mercy and giving them this opportunity. Well, I learned his name was Dave Monk. Um, some of you know him. And uh, he just finished last week. We just thanked him for being six years on our church council. God has done a beautiful work in his life. Um, partly through this community and you all, um, to walk him through that journey and then to call him into service in this church. And like I said, he just completed six years on our, on our council serving. Those kinds of stories happen in the church community, and it's a marvel of God's grace what God does in the midst of a community. And that's what the book of Acts is going to be teaching us. And we're going to see in the particular passage that we look at today that there is a kind of a a marveling to it. So would you open up to Acts chapter 2, verses 42 and 47. If you need a Bible, uh, raise your hand and we'll pass one to you. Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47. And I believe it's on page 629 in that Bible that we hand out. Uh, Acts chapter 2, 42 through 47. And this blew my mind. This is the same passage I preached 14 years ago on that Sunday when Dave was standing there, um, and I looked it up, and I thought, oh my goodness, <laughs> there it is. So, pretty excited about that. Uh, Acts chapter 2, verses uh, 42 through 47. Now, what's happened here is, is God has just poured out His Holy Spirit on the gathered people, the church, it's becoming, and, and then we have this little summary of kind of after the dramatic you know, outpouring of the Spirit, and then Peter stands up and preaches a sermon, and 3,000 people come to faith in the process. And then this little description of kind of what the church was doing and, and what, they, what they devoted themselves to. And this is a, a very 
instructive little passage for us as the church as we reflect on what we are about and what our purposes are and what we can hope for and, and live into and expect. So verse 42, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, so they, 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 they had corporate worship and home groups just like us, they received their food with glad and generous, I probably would looked at different translations in the original language, a wonderful way to say this would be glad and humble hearts, actually. Glad and humble or generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Wonderful little summary packed into it are all kinds of lessons for us as the church. As we continue to figure out what does it mean to be the church. I want to tackle this in a couple of ways. Um, I want us to think about being that marvel that, that God does uh, in the world. And, and, and the way we're going to think about it is in two moves here. Uh, the action and then the reaction. So there's some actions that we take as Christians, as the community of faith, and then there are some reactions that occur in the community, both including the church and outside of the church, as a result of the actions that we take. And, and then this is going to lead in our sermon today to the very end. Today is, is what we're calling in our denomination Church Multiplication Sunday. And so right now, and so we're on the West Coast, so we're behind everybody, but churches all across the country have been praying all morning long and watching a video, which we're going to watch too, about church multiplication and leaning into our vision last week where we talked about our multiplication into a new campus. Um, this is really fitting in terms of the timing of it. So we're going to finish our time today uh, with that video and then thinking about church multiplication. But let's get into the details of what the church is really about as comes from this text here. So first of all, the actions. It says they were devoted. They were devoted and then we're given four different things that they're devoted for. But let me just say a word about uh, this word, devotion. Uh, if, if, you were to, if you were to just kind of look at the, the, the translation of the original Greek term, um, it, it captures more than simply devoted. It's a little bit stronger than the word devoted. So we, 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 the definition goes like this. It's to continue to do something with intense effort, with the possible implication of despite difficulty. So you keep on doing it even when things get difficult. It's to persist obstinately. So like a dog on a bone, you, you know, just the, the early church was like a dog on a bone with these things. They just were not giving up. They were persisting in these four things. Now, what are the four things that the early church persisted in? Well, it was the teaching, the apostles' teaching, the fellowship, the breaking of the bread, and the prayers. And let me just say a few short comments, make a few short comments about each one of these. 
First of all, the, the apostles' teaching. Now, let's kind of get back into the process here. The apostles, you remember, were the, the keepers and the stewards of the testimony of the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. That was the authority that was given to them by Jesus Christ was to be the keepers and the stewards of the testimony of his life and his death and his resurrection. And what we've noticed in the study of the book of Acts is that became a real anchor for the church. The testimony of the apostles built on the Old Testament, what we would refer to as the scripture today, became an anchor for the early church. And, and, and there were going, there was kind of wild times. It's like the wild west of the church. And we'll see that throughout the book of Acts. There's wonders and signs and crazy things happening. And, 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 and you know, when you're in that kind of a circumstance, how do you navigate it well? How do you make sense? How do you make good decisions? And the anchor for them was the teaching of the apostles uh, and the scriptures. We've seen them quote the Old Testament over and over again. And that became for them a lens through which they evaluated and were able to discern their next steps as they tried to make good decisions, being that early church, being kind of the Wild West. Now, we felt like this year, because of some surprises that have been thrown at us, um, you know, we've got, we've got this campus. We merged with Trinity Evangelical Free Church in the spring and have had some wonderful people join us. But we also now have this facility in El Cerrito, and so we're looking at starting a service there, a campus there. But then in the middle of thinking through that process, we learned that this building is going to be destroyed and knocked down because they're going to rebuild it um, and uh, make it earthquake strong. Uh, and so, and so uh, we didn't anticipate that for another three or four years, but they changed the order of how they were going to do it. So we're kind of in a Wild West kind of moment here where things are a little bit topsy-turvy. Uh, and yet, what we've been doing is, is looking through the lens of Scripture to understand what it is that God would call us to in the middle of that. And actually, so often, what you see in the book of Acts is that it's through the uncertainties and the unexpected things that God does some of his best work. So we're approaching all of this with that kind of attitude because the Scripture teaches us to, to, to keep our antenna up. Lord, what are you doing in this season and what are you calling us to? What, are you, what, what doors are you opening that maybe we don't see? And uh, I wish I had more time to talk about some of those things. And in the coming weeks, we'll be talking about these. Hopefully in this week, we'll be, talking, we'll, we'll be deciding exactly when we'll be moving uh, over to Thousand Oaks. Uh, and then we'll be able to continue to, to plan out uh, the next steps. And so all of that is in process. But the key thing is that in the middle of all this, uh, the, the Scripture provides us with an anchor. The, the Apostles' teaching, which is this is what we have to continue to go back to over and over again to put on the glasses to see and to, to make sure that our decisions are being made in accordance with what the Lord has for us. And this is true of your personal life as well. You know, you may be in a season where it feels like the Wild West for you. Lots of things changing and, and, and unexpected events happening and the, the, the encouragement is for you in those moments to even more go back to the word and to study and to understand and to allow God to give you the lens to make good decisions and to progress into the future. The second one is fellowship. Um, they devoted themselves like a dog on a bone. They devoted themselves to fellowship. I've heard so many people say, uh, I love Jesus, but I hate the church. 
Anybody ever felt that before? <laughs> right? I love Jesus. I get it. I get it. Because why? Because the church has people in it, right? That's the tricky part. Church would be so easy if it weren't for the people, right? But here's the deal. Jesus actually loves people. That's why God stepped into this world, taking on human flesh, to live in our midst, to offer himself a perfect sacrifice on the cross, to atone for sin, because God wanted to bring us back into relationship with himself. He loves people. People are made in the image of God. And so it's really hard to actually sincerely say, I love Jesus, but I hate the church. Because then the question is, do you really understand Jesus enough to even love him if you, if you don't like the church? Now, I get it. A lot of us, and sometimes we get called the, the recovery church, because a lot of us have baggage and hurt from the church. We have been in broken relationships or people have done things to us in the church context that have been very painful. And one of the things that we've talked about and that we're hoping for in the study of the book of Acts is that we would be able to unpack some of that baggage and to get it out and to maybe experience some healing. And so at some point in this coming year, we're really hoping we can have a Gospel Academy course on healing from church hurt. Um, but, but we don't have to wait for that. We can start praying into that even, even right now. And so we want to acknowledge that, but also say that, you know what, even so, the church is still really critical to the whole mission of God, and it's really hard to love Jesus without loving the church. The church is the body of Christ. So they devoted themselves to that. They wouldn't give up, even through challenge and struggle and hardship. And the, bre- the breaking of bread. Now, the fact that it says the breaking of the bread refers to not just eating in general, but the actual communion uh, that Jesus instituted. He said, do this in remembrance of me. We celebrate this every Sunday. We'll celebrate it again. But this breaking of the bread. And so uh, this is at the very center of early Christian worship was the breaking of bread and the celebration of the Lord's Supper. And so we can extrapolate from that that what, what we mean here by the breaking of the bread is definitely the breaking of the bread, but also the, the gathering for worship together because that's what the early church was doing. They were worshiping together and this was at the center of their worship. And we're to be obstinately persistent about worship. That's what this is telling us. They devoted themselves to worship. We're to devote ourselves to worship. When we gather together on a Sunday morning to sing praises, and, and I know how sometimes it just feels like you wake up on a Sunday morning and you're thinking, do I really need that in my life right now? Do I really need to worship? Let me re- remind us what happens when we gather together to worship. There is this tendency, and, and I, I know it well because of my own life, and I see it in the lives of others, and that is, is that over the course of the week, more and more, I start to take the, the place of priority in my life sitting on the throne of my life, okay? Now, that place of priority was only really ever meant for one, for the living God to be on the throne of my life. But I'm just so human that each and every week that goes by, I keep trying to slide in, right, and push God out. And when I come to worship, what happens is I'm reminded of the transcendence of God, the mighty power of God, um, the the awesomeness of God. And and what happens in that reminder is, is, is these feelings of like, oh, yeah, 
I'm just a little guy, right? I, my life isn't actually about myself. It's about something much greater than me. And I begin in the, in the process of worship to slide back off the throne and to allow God to take his rightful place in my life. We need that every week. I need that every week. We need to be reminded who's on the throne and who deserves to be on the throne. And that's why it's so important. And sometimes that kind of work is being done in us when we don't even realize it. We might come on a Sunday morning and we think we didn't get anything out of it, you know. And yet God can be at work in ways that we just don't perceive. Sometimes, years later, a song that we sang or a comment that somebody made or a text that we looked at will come back to our mind and we'll think, oh yeah, suddenly it'll make sense. This is a long, like slow food kind of work that we're doing, right? And the, the persistence, the weekly persistence of worshiping together is critical. And, and this is what we're going to be doing in heaven. Now, it's not going to look like this. I think it's going to be prettier than this auditorium. Um, but it's, it's going to be worship. And, and so we're practicing for all of eternity when we gather together. And the fourth one is prayer. And they had a very robust vision for prayer, given that upper room. Remember, we, as we studied this, you know, they were 10 days in that upper room praying and waiting for the Holy Spirit. Uh, and, and then you'll see throughout the book of Acts that at each moment, their impulse is to go back together and to pray. Whenever something happens, they, they gather together and they pray, they pray, they pray. They have a very robust understanding of prayer. Uh, and they, they hang on to it tenaciously. They, they lean into prayer uh, day in and day out. And that is to be our devotion as well. We're to be devoted to prayer in that way as the church, just like the early church was. And to le- live into that vision, it's critical. And we want to grow in this area over the coming season as we're studying the book of Acts. We want to continue to grow in prayer. And so uh, the first sermon that we had in the book of Acts, we called for a day of prayer and fasting, which was the, the day following. And it was so wonderful um, to just sort of hear the buzz around that, that a lot of you actually engaged in that. You did fast on that Monday after our first day in the book of Acts, and you were praying for the things we'd set out, three things to pray for. Um, That's a great uh, step for us as a congregation, and we want to keep growing in prayer. Um, We had a wonderful time of healing prayer for Pastor Dante, who is, again, unfortunately out today, so we need to continue to pray for him. But we had a wonderful time of prayer, uh, 30 or so of us gathered, and, and there was just kind of this sweet, sweet spirit in the room as we, as we lifted him up and, and prayed for him. And we're, we need to continue to do that. And we want to pray for those in our congregation who are suffering with illness uh, other than Pastor Dante as well. And so we want to grow in that area. And then on October 19th, we're going to have a special evening of prayer uh, at one of our, our houses Uh, locally here, and so you'll be hearing more about that if you haven't already. Um, It's a little bit of an organic process, prayer is, and the growth in prayer, and there's probably going to be several uh, ways that we're kind of leaning into and living into this, but I would just say to you, you know, put this on your radar. What does it look like for you to be part of the growth in prayer in this congregation over the coming season, and how would you participate in that over this coming season, looking for the opportunities that we have. 
so there you have the four things that the early church focused on. These are the actions that the early church took. They, the apostles' teaching, the fellowship, the breaking of bread, and the prayers. Uh, and, and, and these are the means, I often think about, these are the means by which we can relate to an invisible God. And this is a precious gift for us. Can I just drive that point home a little bit? That some of us are frustrated because God is invisible and we want to reach out and we want to commune with God. These four actions are the means by which we commune with an invisible God. And it's a gift to you from God, okay? To be able to pray, to be able to gather together with the church, to read about him in the scripture and to have that become the lens through which you process life, to, to worship. This is how we relate and commune with the living God in this season while we're waiting until heaven, right, where there's gonna, the veil's going to be removed and, and, and we'll be in that kind of intimate relationship. So very important means that we've been given. It's a gift of the Lord to us out of his love. A few years ago, uh, Gil Stiglitz, who's our former district superintendent, came and he uh, preached a sermon on this text and he went through those four different things and uh, detailed kind of what they're about. And then he said, basically, look, church, you just need to keep on doing these four things. Just don't stop. And the more you do them, the more you live into them, the more you embrace them, the more that this church is going to explode with the work of God. And that's still the call for us. And God is faithful when we live into these four things. God is faithful to do all the rest of the spiritual things that we can't do. We can't save people. We can't really heal people. We can't fix people's brokenness on the inside. These are works of the Spirit. So we do these four things, and then God takes care of the rest, and he's faithful to do that. And so that's what we're going to keep on doing. Um, We're going to keep on leaning into God's faithfulness in these four. But what you see is after the early church is doing these four things, there's a kind of a reaction. Five things occur as a result. And I'm not going to spend a lot of time. I'm just going to point them out. First of all, everybody is in awe of what's happening. And then there's wonders and signs. So there's different kinds of healing that's taking place. We're going to see throughout our study of the book of Acts some of the wonders and signs. There's encounters with spiritual forces that are dark and they're overwhelmed. All kinds of wonders and, and signs are, are taking place. This is what it, why it feels a little bit like the Wild West for the, for the early church and why the scripture is so important because it keeps them focused on true north throughout all of that. Um, so there's all, like everybody still kind of owns their stuff, but they're really quick to sell it for, for other people on behalf of others and to give to anybody who has need. Um, they have glad and humble hearts with praise. And that word glad is a really strong word. It can actually include jumping and leaping and dancing. So um, we'll know God's, you know, at, at work when we see a little bit more of jumping and leaping and dancing. Um, so feel free if you're inspired to jump and leap and dance. Um, and then they had favor. There's regular, uh, this is with the regular people, not the leaders. We're going to see there's, they're going to be persecuted by the leaders. But with the, with the sort of the average person, they're having tremendous favor with the average person. So much so that, that numbers are being added. In fact, we'll see in the next passages, thousands of people are coming to faith in Jesus Christ throughout this period as they just practice these four things. And then there's this reaction that occurs. 
So we don't go after these four things, the awe, the wonder, and five things, the awe, the wonder, the signs, the extreme generosity, the glad and humble hearts, and the favor. We don't go after those. We go after the four, right, that we talked about first. But those are the reaction. That's what happens as we go after the four. We get to see God on the move. And so we wanted to create some space for this to happen and over the next three weeks we're going to be looking at a story in the book of Acts where there is a lame man who's healed. And there's three passages associated with this, this healing of this lame man. We thought, wouldn't it be interesting if we created a space over the next three weeks where we could have uh, times of prayer for healing? And, and we, looked, we talked about as a staff some of the different kinds of healings that we know are needed in our community. Of course, there's physical healing. There's relationship healing. Some of us have broken relationships that we would, we would just love to have somebody pray over that broken relationship. There's addictions that we face. We'd love to have somebody pray for us that we would break the enslavement to whatever addiction that we might have. We, we need to be doing this on a regular basis, this kind of prayer, um, and we haven't done it for a little while, and so I'm, I'm guessing there's probably a number of us in this room who are addicted, addicted to different kinds of things, you know, the, the pornography addiction rates are just skyrocketed. Uh, and then there's all different kinds of addictions. We need to bring those to the fore and ask the Holy Spirit to help break those enslavements. Really important. And we, we can't do this stuff on our own physical strength. We need God's help. So we want to create a space where some of this prayer can take place over the next three weeks. There's past hurts. Some of us have doubts we've been struggling with. And we would love to bring those into prayer. There's emotional struggles like problems with anger or depression uh, or other uh, struggles that we have, and we want to pray into those. Um, you know, uh, there's just all kinds of things that, that can be set right, that are lame, that can be set right. And so we thought, wouldn't it be neat over these next three weeks to create a space where we can have that kind of prayer? And it's not like triumphalism, like everybody come and everything's going to be healed and, and we're going to pretend that it's healed when it's not. But this is to step out in faith and to just be obedient to what the scripture teaches. That we're to pray for these things together as the gathered church. That's what we do. And, and, and by God's grace, sometimes he intervenes in miraculous ways and brings healing where maybe we've been wanting for a long time. And so we thought, wouldn't it be neat if over these next three weeks, as we do this story of the lame uh, man who's healed, we could also articulate the gospel in a very clear way. It's a beautiful passage. Next week is a beautiful passage. In fact, it happens right at the gate called Beautiful. And it's, it's a story of a physical healing, which becomes a mirror into the spiritual kind of healing that God wants to do through Jesus Christ. So wouldn't it be neat if we could create a space over these next three weeks where, you know, that message would be articulated with, with clarity through our songs, through the words that we use, through the message and wouldn't it be great if over these next three weeks, you were given a chance to invite people that God might place on your heart, either to come and to be prayed for, or to hear the gospel with clarity. There are so many people in this region who've never even heard the gospel purely. They just don't really know the story of Jesus Christ. And you all are the ambassadors for that. So wouldn't it be great if over these next three weeks we could create a space where you could invite people 
to come to hear the gospel, to be prayed for, and we could, just, we could just live into what the book of Acts is teaching us. My guess is that right now as I'm saying that, for some of you at least, there's people that are coming to your mind. And I strongly believe that as we're gathered together and the Holy Spirit is at work in our midst, He will at times bring, bring to our minds what He wants us to do next. And, and maybe the people that are coming up in your mind right now are people that God is prompting you to invite over these next three weeks to be with us, to be prayed for potentially, people who are hurting or broken, and, and, and just maybe God is, is standing ready to do a work in their lives. Don't let that drop, okay? Don't let that drop. I was out surfing yesterday, and... I hadn't done it in a long, long time. And I got out there, and I was exhausted because I'm totally out of shape for surfing. And right at that moment, a perfect wave came, and I said, I'm too tired. It was like a half hour sitting there waiting till I got another opportunity like that, right? God, when he's moving and he's giving you these opportunities, it's important for us to pounce on it, okay? To take the opportunity. So, what is God calling you to in response this morning? All right. We're going to broaden this out a little bit more. Um, we want to create, uh, excuse me, uh, this, this whole uh, multiplication thing is being prayed over throughout our denomination. So, we're a group of about 1,500 churches all throughout the United States. And just like we're doing today, others around the country are praying for and leaning into prayer around multiplying churches. As we invite, as we uh, go out with the gospel, then, then, then that sort of springs on a large scale too. So actually this video is going to explain it better than I can. So let's just show uh, this video and then I'm going to invite us into some prayer uh, immediately afterwards. There is a need, a harvest to be reaped and gathered. There are people of every color, culture, ethnicity, and demographic in the cities around us without the hope, direction, and joy found in the gospel of Jesus Christ. If you look around at culture today, we're being bombarded by so many changes, man, that happen so rapidly that, you know, it's imperative that the church gets out in front of this. The fact that we are still divided, even in some of our churches or in our communities, churches competing with each other is a problem. Estados Unidos es un país de inmigrantes y la población latina cada día está creciendo más y necesitamos ministrarlos a ellos porque pues, no es solamente el, el lenguaje sino es toda la cultura que conlleva. The Evangelical Free Church of America as a movement is grounded in the idea of church multiplication. Churches planting and multiplying churches for the sake of transforming every culture, every community, and every individual through the power of the gospel. We were planted, you know, we're, we're evangelical ministry. We shifted from an organization that we were part of for years 
to join this work, this all people work, and being a part of a transformational movement uh, that I believe the world desperately needs to see. Together, we can meet this need. Together, we can follow after God's call to go and make disciples. Together, we can have real, lasting, eternal impact on our neighbors and become part of God's transcendent work. This isn't just an opportunity, it's a command, and it's a command for all of us. It takes all kinds of churches to reach all kinds of people. You know, I like to think of the church as flavors. You know, we all have, have different flavors, right? You go to the ice cream shop, you know, we don't like the same flavors. It takes churches partnering with churches for mutual empowerment in the gospel. Part of what we're after is creating, you know, a ministry or being a part of partnerships and ministries that understand the importance of being relevant, not compromising the gospel, but being relevant and uh, really finding ways to partner, create stronger ministries. And I think it helps both sides. All of us are able to grow and learn something and become stronger through partnerships and unity and seeing how God wants to work, you know, in, in those relationships. It takes embracing our communities, loving our neighbors, and walking together to bring life back to our world. It really needs to be that trust that's built between churches and, and schools and businesses and uh, just the community in general so that the gospel can go forth. But God's kingdom is glorified because he say, love your neighbor. And sometimes we think that our neighbor is the only one who looks like us or who is the same nationality or same color, but our neighbor is anyone. It empowers us, it positions us to do the work, the hard work that needs to be done uh, to, to reach our community and, and God knows who, whoever else, you know. So what will we do? How will we use our gifts, our environments, our opportunities to follow this call to multiply transformation? I think the first step to take is to learn and to um, position yourself as a learner and to find if you don't already have them relationships. We're not a white church. We're not a black church. We're not a Latino church. We're the church of Jesus Christ. We're, we are the body of Christ. The body of Christ is a multicultural body. He has made us all. Everybody's important. Everybody reflects God's image. We shouldn't be waiting. My conviction lies in the fact that, you know, God is calling his people to, to be the church, to be that example, to, to live this out. To, to love one another, that's the thing that's going to distinguish the church from the world. Today, we're asking for 50,000 prayers, 50,000 voices lifted up across the nation, calling out for the making of disciples and the planting of churches. We're asking you to seek out where you fit into this great commandment. Whether it's commitment through prayer, giving of time, talents, and resources, or even joining a church planting team, we are the body of Christ, each of us built for loving relationship with each other across cultural, ethnic, and societal lines. It's time for us to go together and be Jesus to our neighbors around us.
The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Will you join us? 938, and we wanted to do a few things to kind of drive this, this point home. We're inviting everybody for this coming week to set your alarm. And so if you, if you have a phone right now and you're willing to do this, is set your alarm for 938 a.m. And we're, we're, we're seeking to have 50,000 people across the country with their alarms going off at 9.38 a.m. this whole week to pray for church multiplication, for pray for the gospel to go forth, for the raising up of workers for the harvest from Matthew 9.38. So don't be shy. Pull out your phone right now if you are willing to pray with us. Uh, 9.38, just set it. In fact, I should say, hey, Siri, set the phone for 9.38 a.m. And like everybody's phone will just automatically at the same time be set. <laughs> Except I think it like recognizes voices now, unfortunately. Um, so that's one thing is to be praying. We're going to pray in a little bit uh, this morning. We're also going to have a, a prayer update coming once a month from this, our group of churches. And I would encourage you uh, to sign up for this. There's a couple of ways to that. You can just go to efca.org slash planting and scroll to the bottom. You see a little green button. Or you can send an email to churchplanting at efca.org and we'll get you signed up. Now, here's the cool thing about that is, you know, like today, at least two churches are being started today, you know. And so how cool is it to, to know that's happening and to be praying? You get to be part of the starting of new churches by praying for them. And if you sign up to get this month, once a month uh, newsletter, you'll know when the churches are starting and you'll be able to pray for them by name and uh, just the different specifics uh, that they have. So that's another thing that we, we can do to raise up uh, prayers. And we picked this number 50,000 because that's like a tipping point, 10 to 15 percent, 10, little over 10 percent of all of our church, of all of our, our, their, of our whole denomination in terms of people. And we thought if we could get a tipping point of people praying for church multiplication, maybe that would start to make the difference going forward. And so um, that's one thing. And then the really bring it home kind of local thing is this, this next Sunday, we're going to be looking at the story of the lame man who's healed. And as I said, it's a great opportunity for the people that you know and love to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so would you, would you with prayer, just ask the Lord, who do, you want me to, who do you want me to invite this next Sunday? And then maybe apply a little bit of courage and make the invitation um, so that, that that person might have a chance to receive this gift. Just like Patria said, it's one beggar showing another beggar where to find bread. And we have that privilege of being able to do that. So I want to finish our time just with some prayer, and then we're going we're to have communion and sing a little bit. But I want to pray about what's going on in our region here. So I'm just going to pray through some of the things that are happening with the other churches connected to our group. Uh, and that will, be our, that will be our closing prayer for the sermon. So God, um, would you just hear us now? Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for hearing us as we pray. We're praying that there would be just a passion for making disciples and multiplying churches throughout uh, every city in the region where we are. Northern California, Northern Nevada is our particular region. We pray for uh, the four churches which we're hoping to launch in this coming year. Uh, the Del Paso Heights Church, Placerville, San Francisco, 
uh, with John Brackett, who's preached here at our congregation. They've had two vision nights and had some great things happening in those. So we lift up John and his wife, Melissa, in San Francisco and pray for their church planning efforts. Uh, And then the church potential in Dublin. Um, Would you just multiply your churches in this community? We pray for uh, the church multiplication team in this district here, led by Drew Soderstrom, and we ask that you would guide him and and lead him and the rest of that team as they seek uh, to raise up uh, new churches in this region. Uh, We pray for ourselves, Lord. We want to be everyday missionaries. And just as we're asking that as we go out from this place today, you would put in our hearts and minds the people with whom uh, you want us to share our, our lives and the message of the gospel. And we pray for more and more people to receive the call to go out and to plant churches, um, that as they're raised up and empowered to do that work, um, you would point them just to the right places where there's the greatest need. And so, Lord, um, we just ask that all of this could be done, that you would be glorified as your word goes out in our world and lives are transformed. We think of Dave Monk standing in front of us, of me crying There's so many people who are in places like that who need the good news of Christ. And so we want to be the hands and feet to bring it. And so would you help us in these coming weeks especially? We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.